This is Science 2034. 20 years ago, the Science Coalition was formed to strengthen federal support for basic scientific and engineering research. We tell the stories of what federally funded research has made possible and what will be reality 20 years from now. Our guest today, Princeton University professor Meng Chang, a leading researcher in internet and wireless networks who sees a future of pervasive computing in what he calls the fog. Fog is like cloud, but descending to be among the end users, to be among your end user devices like the phones and tablets, to be among the things in the internet of things, and to be among the edge devices like the set-up box sitting in your living room. So think of the cloud, but now it's around the end users. People will be wearing multiple uh, network-connected devices, uh, possibly even inside their body and certainly around them. Uh, it could be their um, accessories such as glasses and watches. Uh, it could be part of their clothes. Give it 20 years, uh, I think there will be a lot of uh, network devices people will be wearing. What kinds of data do you anticipate people collecting about themselves and their worlds? Well, it could be all kinds of data, almost everything you can imagine uh, about uh, their vital signs of their health conditions, their trajectories of their daily lives, the kind of words they utter, the kind of words they hear, what images uh, is captured by their eyes. All of these uh, could be candidates for data gathered. And with fog networks on the edge, uh, one may imagine what some people call the edge analytics or stream mining. So a lot of have heard of data mining uh, in the cloud, uh, but now some of the real-time applications may need data analytics run on the spot here and now. So we'll be looking at a very interesting and some of which might be potentially privacy contentious kinds of applications. It can range uh, all the way from law enforcement and surveillance uh, to uh, recording things, analyzing them for insurance claims, conflicts, to helping people to better understand uh, the rhythm of their day and how they're managing their personal health to safety and uh, child protection. My own research is more on the underlying enabling technologies, but as one of the many potential users I could only imagine, uh, all kinds of creative ideas that could pop up if we imagine an application uh, interface, a kind of a platform uh, on top of the FOG networks that can enable creative people around the world to develop application scenarios, most of which I hope uh, is beyond my wildest imagination are capable of thinking today. In the particular area of FOG networks, um, it brings tremendous architectural challenges. By architecture, I mean the CEO's job, deciding who does what, at what time scale, and how to piece them back together. Uh, in the cloud world, which is what has been on the rise in the last 15 years or so, um, we see a lot of the communication and the control and uh, management done in the backbone network, in the data centers, in the so-called core network of the cellular-like or GLTE networks. Now, in the next 15, 20 years with fog networks, you're looking at one or a collaborative multitude of end-user devices, clients and edge devices, that will carry out a substantial amount of storage, communication, and configuration management functions. And that brings out the question of who should be doing what. 
Um, if you are looking at things such as um, real-time uh, interactions or a rapid affordable scaling or client-centric objectives, uh, then fog is a natural spot. Uh, but if you're looking at archival storage, heavy-duty computation, global coordination, then the cloud or the backbone or the core network uh, might still remain the natural choices. So this interface between fog and cloud and how do you architect who does what, I think is one major challenge. And another one, uh, perhaps even preceding the first one, uh, if you look at the Internet of Things, IoT, uh, how do we even name and uh, assign addresses to them? And who's going to be responsible for whom? Are we looking at a dashboard collecting the communication capabilities from the phones and tablets or the other way around? So how do we charge for these new services, some of which do not transmit a lot of bytes on the so-called data plane, but they do involve complex session management in the so-called control plane? Uh, so how will these services be priced by the operators? So ranging from naming to pricing to uh, functionality allocation, uh, plenty of challenges. And that's all just on the technology side, as we just alluded to. There's also challenge on hardware side. There's challenge on the data science side, challenge on human computer. In this case, computer are just could be things, uh, interfaces side. Um, no shortage of fun things to work on. Your work has been supported by, among others, the National Science Foundation, DARPA, the Air Force, the Navy, the Army. Talk about the importance of U.S. government federal funding for the basic research that is going into these incredible achievements. It is tremendously important. It is critical. Not all the research uh, are directly linked to today's uh, business challenges uh, in a way that can be funded uh, only by uh, industry. Uh, we have uh, extremely talented entrepreneurs, innovators in the private industry innovating each and every day. Uh, but at the same time, uh, academia serves a complementary role of looking ahead, of examining alternatives, and of training minds of the future entrepreneurs and innovators who are right now students uh, in the different labs uh, in the country. And the funding coming from uh, federal funding agencies like the ones you mentioned, and indeed uh, my own Princeton Edge Lab has been supported by National Science Foundation, the DARPA, Army Air Force Navy's own fundamental research funding agencies. Um, and those have proven to be extremely important and vital to enable uh, exploration into the longer-term future, uh, to enable looking at what other choices do we have, uh, and into training, uh, training the students who will soon turn into the engineers, the managers, the startup founders. Princeton as a university, not just my lab, but across the whole campus, uh, realize the importance of entrepreneurship uh, in a 21st century liberal arts education, in broadening uh, students, the future, not just engineers, but uh, the businessman, the government officials, uh, mind to 
initiate innovation, uh, be willing to take certain kinds of risks, be able to bootstrap from limited resources, turn from thinking to action. Uh, and I hope that 20 years later, the students right now, we're talking about, say, 20-year-old undergrad, say, a 25-year-old graduate students uh, at Princeton or any other American institution, uh, when they turn into their 40s, they will maintain this curiosity, uh, this sense of, I can innovate, uh, and be an entrepreneur broadly defined. Professor Meng Chang, thank you for joining us on Science 2034.